Injured in a car accident? We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery, no fees or costs. If another lawyer wants more, lawyer up 904. For accidents, injuries, and more, lawyer up 904. Jacksonville. The sports world keeps spinning, and the local conversation continues. Now, Hacker After Dark on 1010XL. And a very good Wednesday evening to you, Jacksonville. It is Hacker After Dark, 1010XL, 92.5 FM with Dylan Denmark and intern Bubba. How about that? we got a third guy here with us tonight. Welcome, intern Bubba. I'm the Hacker Ryan Green. We're glad you're with us, Hacker After Dark here. On 1010XL and 92.5 FM, we are now well inside of 72 hours to the Jaguars and the Chiefs, Saturday at 4.30, Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City. Of course, you'll hear the game right here on 1010XL, pregame coverage beginning at 11 a.m., and as you can imagine, we have a ton to do tonight revolving around that game. Ben Arthur covers the AFC South for Fox Sports and foxsports.com. He will join us later on in the 9 o'clock hour in about 20 minutes. J.P. Shadrick of jaguars.com. Had to get J.P. on. Always love the conversation with J.P. Shadrick talking Jags and Chiefs. And coming up right around 9 o'clock, a little less than an hour from now, all the good vibes we can get going into this AFC Divisional Playoff our guy, Jacksonville's guy, Andrew Catalan, CBSSports.com. That guy has called more Jaguar games on television than anybody over the last few years. We've kind of adopted Andrew Catalan as our TV guy. And I'm a little concerned, little concerned, the more winning the Jaguars do, maybe some more prime time games. We're not going to be in that CBS 1 o'clock slot very much. Moving forward, so we'll have to see. But for the here and now, we'll get Andrew Catalan on to break down the Jaguars and the Chiefs on Saturday. So obviously, a ton to do. More on that game in 30 seconds. I do want to tell Florida Gator fans, you've had a rough day. You have had a very rough day. Uh, Jaden Rashada. Actually, you know what, Denmark? We're going to call an audible at the line of scrimmage. We're going to have two big deals of the night. That'll be one of them. Every night we begin with a big deal of the night here on Hacker After Dark and Dylan Denmark. Let's do that right now. Time now for the big deal of the night. What's the big deal? What is the big deal? No, because it is a big deal. On Hacker After Dark. So, Jaden Rashad, the five-star quarterback that was committed to the University of Florida that signed a letter of intent to the University of Florida is now asking out of that letter of intent and will most likely not enroll at the University of Florida. It's the world of NIL, and we're living in it. And as much as Jaden Rashada would help the Florida Gators, and he would, make no mistake about it, Florida's got problems in that quarterback room. They got problems. You only got three scholarship guys right now. You got Graham Mertz, the transfer from Wisconsin. You got Jack Miller, the transfer from Ohio State. And you got Max Brown. So only three scholarship guys. Rashada would help. But 
Again, all sorts of rumors out there. Everybody knows it's about NIL. You know, if um, if somebody agrees to something in principle, and then let's just say perhaps they go to an all-star high school game and do fairly well at said all-star high school game and the practices. Oh, this didn't happen, by the way. And then let's just say, for example, that they feel that maybe they deserve a little bit more after said high school game, more than what was agreed to. And let's just say that no one at that institution wants to give them more money. And they say, well, I'm out of here. Do you really need them anyway? Not saying that that happened. Not saying that that happened. I'm just throwing it out there. If something like that happened. This was locker room talk. Do you really need that person at your school anyway? I don't know. That's for you to decide. But it does leave Florida with a problem in the quarterback room. And as if that wasn't bad enough, Gator fans, for you basketball fans that care, uh, you're in College Station and I play in Texas A&M, and you score 12 points in the first half. 12 on two for 26 shooting. I thought it was a typo. I'm watching it right now. The Florida Gators men's basketball team shot 7% from the field tonight. And amazingly, they're only down 11 because A&M's been awful too. It is 23-12 to 12 with 19 minutes to go in the ball game. What a barn burner this one is. We'll keep you updated. But obviously, the big deal of the night, by the way, Florida now 2 of 27 shooting from the field. I'm confident I could do that. I could go 2 of 27. I feel very confident in that. The big deal of the night is about the Jaguars and the Kansas City Chiefs. The AFC Divisional Playoff, Saturday afternoon at Arrowhead. There are a lot of talking points that are developing about this game. A lot of talking points. One that just really tickles me. And look, Jaguar fans are the same way. Fan bases look for things to get fired up about, right? Look for things to get motivated about. To get their feathers ruffled, to get bulletin board material. It's what happens. It's what fans do. And it's one of the things that makes sports great. If you want to get fired up about something and use that as fuel to root against somebody or some team, more power to you. So Trevor Lawrence yesterday was asked about Arrowhead in Kansas City, and he literally said it's one of, if not the best environments in the NFL. He then went on to say he can't imagine it being much louder than what it was here on Saturday night for the Jaguars and the Chargers. And then he went into, well, obviously it wasn't loud for us. It was loud for our defense. It will be loud for us on Saturday because we're on the road this time. Innocent comment. After saying it's one of the best, if not the best, environments in the NFL. And all the Kansas City Chief fans are up in arms. Just up in arms. All sorts of fired up. Using that, saying it's going to be bulletin board material. We're coming after Trevor. We're going to be loud. Arrowhead Chiefs Kingdom, I guess is what they call it. 
Just getting all sorts of the juices flowing. Give me a break. Look, I get motivation, but if you need motivation as a fan for the AFC Divisional Playoff, I don't know, man. You're probably uh, not thinking about the right things. And it was an innocent comment by Trevor anyway. Not bulletin board material. Maybe you're scared of Jacksonville and you're just finding ways to get yourself fired up. I don't know. The Jaguars are a big underdog. There's no doubt about that. I've seen the line when it started as high as nine. I think it's around the eight and a half, nine mark right now. It's a big underdog. Look, Patrick Mahomes is undefeated in the divisional round of the playoffs. Last year, you forget that Buffalo game was in the divisional round of the playoffs. The 13 seconds to go game. Mahomes was 33 of 44 for 378. Three touchdowns. He also ran the ball for 69 yards and a score. And you look at what he's done in the divisional round of the postseason the last few years, he has been spectacular. Absolutely spectacular. So the Jaguars have their work cut out for him. There's no doubt about that. You know, you go back to the first game in November. November 13th, week 10. I went back and watched it today. Not all of it, but enough. You know, we talk about missed opportunities. But missed opportunities are really something that when you watch that first game in Kansas City, you just shake your head and go, wow. Wow. Remember the Christian Kirk drop early in the first quarter? Right in his bread basket. Dropped the ball. Jaguars would have had a goal-to-go situation. They squander the onside kick, and they punt the ball. Riley Patterson missing not one, but two field goals in that game. Two. Riley Patterson has been damn near automatic all year, including, obviously, last week against L.A., but for whatever reason, in Kansas City on November 13th, he missed two critical field goals. You then go to the touchdown that was taken off the board because Cam Robinson was an illegal lineman downfield. The three turnovers that the Jaguars caused that they did not take advantage of. The Jaguars were in that game. In that game. Now, what Kansas City will tell you, the reverse of that is that the Jaguars did get three turnovers off of us and we still won the game by 10. And that's credence, there's credibility to that, I suppose. But this was a different Jaguar team in November 13th than it is right now. This Jaguar team takes advantage of turnovers. Riley Patterson doesn't miss kicks. Christian Kirk's not dropping balls. Cam Robinson's not even playing. And he was the illegal lineman downfield. So, look, I am going back and forth on this. I'll... You know, probably Friday, I'll give my final thoughts, my final prognostication, if you will. But I talked to a guy today. Don't want to let the cat out of the bag. It's a guest coming up later in the week. And I, you know, always appreciate the opinions of guests that we have. And this guy's a pretty big guest. Here's the thing that rubbed me the wrong way about our conversation today. He used the term tall order. It's going to be a tall order for Jacksonville to go into Kansas City and win. 
that is just another way of saying they can't, right? Tall order, they can't. It's the same thing, same verbiage. What did we say last week on this program? Remember, I had a buddy that called me last week prior to the Charger game. I said, they can't beat Justin Herbert twice in the same year. No way, no how. And I said, look, they can't come back from 17 down against the Raiders. They can't drive the whole field and go for two and get it and beat Baltimore. They certainly can't come back from 27-10 down to Dallas with five minutes to go in the third quarter. They can't go to Nashville and win. They haven't done that in nine years. They can't win a primetime road game. That hadn't happened since the year 2000. And by no stretch of the imagination, under any circumstances, they can't turn the ball over five times, and they can't come back from 27 nothing down to win a playoff game. And they did every one of those. Every single one of those. So whenever you hear the national media this week, whenever you hear your NFL buddies from across the country that you're talking to say the Jaguars can't or it's a tall order or this isn't going to happen, you know, just look at them with a smile. Because if the Jacksonville Jaguars have proven anything this year, the term they can't does not apply to this team. They have proven me wrong so many more times than I probably even want to count that I am never, ever going to say over the next three weeks, which hopefully it is three weeks, that they can't do something. Mahomes has never lost in the division. Arrowhead's a tough place to play. It's going to be cold. The weather may be a factor. Travis Kelsey is going to the Hall of Fame. Andy Reid's the greatest head coach, maybe other than Belichick in this generation. You can throw everything out there, and you're exactly right. There's nothing inaccurate about those statements. But don't tell me they can't do something. Because every time you tell the Jaguars they can't do something, they absolutely do it. And then finally, another branch from this game is Trevor Lawrence. Where he fits in to the AFC quarterback club. What did we hear all offseason and all year long? Well, there's four guys. There's Mahomes, there's Josh Allen, there's Joe Burrow, and there's Justin Herbert. And then just underneath them, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, you know, probably just underneath them. That's when you get into Russell Wilson because he's getting a little up there in age. Derek Carr, Matt Ryan. And then maybe at about the 9 or 10 mark, and again, this is early in the year, that's when you get to Trevor Lawrence in the AFC. Well, take Matt Ryan, throw him to the side. Take Russell Wilson, throw him to the side. I would take Deshaun Watson right now and throw him to the side. I would absolutely take Trevor Lawrence over Derek Carr. I would absolutely take Trevor Lawrence over Lamar Jackson. Now that gets us to the four. Mahomes, Burrow, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert. Lawrence has beaten Herbert twice head-to-head. Once in L.A. and in the playoffs here. And based on what I saw last week, I'm perfectly fine saying I would take Trevor Lawrence right now over Justin Herbert. And if the Jaguars do go on a magical run, you do realize that would mean dispatching of Justin Herbert, (coughs) excuse me, then Patrick Mahomes, 
and then the winner of Burrow and Josh Allen. That is a lot to ask, but if Trevor does that, whew, good grief. <coughs> 641 is the phone number. J.P. Shadrick, Jaguars.com, talking. Jaguars and Chiefs, he's next on Hacker After Dark. No. Another interview on the Farrah and Farrah phone line, brought to you by the accident attorneys at Farrah and Farrah. Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville. We are glad you are with us. The Jaguars and the Chiefs, Saturday, 430. You'll hear the game right here on 1010XL. Let's talk to a man that you hear on Jaguars radio. You see and hear him all over Jaguars.com. Our guy, J.P. Shadrick, always kind enough to join us here on 1010XL. J.P., how we doing, man? Oh, we're doing great, Hacker. Great to talk with you again. And, uh, yeah, it's hard to be much better because the Jaguars are in the divisional playoff round. It's it's remarkable what happened the other night. I think the city's still on a high from Saturday night, and, and rightly so. That That is an all-time comeback and something that we'll be talking about around here for decades to come. You know, and JP, to that point, you know, you've worked with the organization for a long time now, and you're around these guys every day. You're in that building every day. How would you summarize what we saw last Saturday night? Nearly impossible, but I think at this point, if you think this Jaguars team is out of something, <laughs> you're about to find out, right? I mean, they, they don't think they're out of anything. Uh, they have rallied from 17-point deficits twice this year, and in the history of the franchise, that had only happened one time before the season. So they did that twice in the regular year. I mean, all the last five home games, including the playoff game now, have been nine-point deficits or more in that in each of those games, and they've rallied to win. So, you know, that's not the best course of action, I think, for the long-term health of the team. You know, you're not going to do that every single week. You'd like to start a little faster and do some things better. But they're rolling with it, and they're figuring out ways to get it done this year with this group. And that just kind of tells you the the heart of this team. And, you know, and now if they get down 27 in Kansas City, that would be, um, you know, obviously the the greatest comeback ever. But let's not let's not get to that one this week. But that's who they are, man. They fight. They don't ever say it's over until there's triple zeros and whatever that takes on offense or defense or special teams play. And so far, so good. You know, clearly, I mean, there are so many stories for this team, but the two guys getting the most press right now are Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence. Let's begin with Doug Peterson. You were in that building last year. Um, as bad as we thought it was on the outside, some of the stories that you hear now maybe three or four or five times worse than even we knew. And now here we are uh, less than a year after Doug Peterson took the job and they're in the divisional round of the AFC playoffs. Look, I think Brian Dable is going to win coach of the year. He's in the New York market, and he's done a very good job. But I'm sorry. There is nobody to me that has done a better coaching job this year amidst the circumstances they inherited than what Doug Peterson has done here in Jacksonville. Well, not only that. Yeah, they inherited everything, and they made a bunch of changes. There's a whole lot of new personnel at the start of the season, free agent additions and all that. That, that kind of just bolsters his argument with all the new around it. That's what Tony Dungy told us last week. That's why 
Um, Dungy voted for him for coach of the year with the AP awards because of all the new that was around that he is having success with now, but the way they turned it mid season too, and they could have packed up and gone to Cancun and said, forget about it. But you know, he kept the message to the same consistency, uh, something that did not exist around here before and in, in the last year, at least, right. This was as consistent as, as it comes. They had just lost five in a row. They had lost fourth quarter leads. You know, weaker-minded teams would have just folded up and gone home and said, forget it, let's coast the second half and not get hurt. But uh, Doug's consistent message was the the thing that kind of kept them together and and kept some life in this team. And then they did find some success finally in the middle of the season, and it just carried over from there. But it starts at the top with that messaging. And that's vitally important to Doug is just the way – you message the team every single day. It must be straightforward and consistent. And it's heard because he's lived himself as a player and as an assistant coach. And of course, as a head coach, winning the Lombardi already one time. So the players have that respect of what he's saying because you know they know that he knows there is success in the future if you just follow this path. So they've done that. And that's why Doug should be. Uh, at least in the conversation for coach of the year. He's certainly in the conversation, whether he gets there or not. I, I guess we'll find out in a few weeks. JP Shadrick, Jaguars.com, Jaguars Radio here with us on 1010XL. All right, Trevor Lawrence. I don't know what happened, JP, on the plane ride home from London to Jacksonville following the Denver game. But whatever happened, he has been a completely and totally different quarterback. To the point where, you know, we were questioning body language. We were questioning a lot of things in middle part of the year. And what Trevor did last Saturday to throw four picks and then to come back and do what he did in the second half, I mean, good gracious. Um, what a player Trevor Lawrence has become at only 23 years of age. There's no doubt about that. And I was on that plane coming back from London. I don't remember anything too crazy happening on the plane, to be honest with you. But, hey, whatever works, works. And, and another credit to Doug Peterson on this one, too, right? In the head of the quarterback, he understands that position, what it takes to be strong and, and good at that mentally. And he's been around Hall of Fame quarterbacks, obviously. He's, you know, been at it for a long time. So I think that conversation – It was huge, Uh, whatever was said to him on the sideline, because he had that look in his eye uh, first half, just kind of glazed over, as Pete Frisco said the other night. It's a good way to describe it. But, boy, what's going on here? Can't figure out what's happening. They're showing different things in coverage. What's going on? I can't figure it out. Something happened there, and they said, hey, man, we're going to keep playing. You know, that's all you can do. And they figured out a way to get down the field in that key moment before halftime. And then the light came on. And it's uh, it's almost it's the worst performance in uh, I would say it's the worst performance in Jaguars history and one of if not the best performances in Jaguars history all in the same game. I mean that's impossible to think about that he was that far down and four interceptions, five total turnovers by the team, and then to flip the switch and score on the final what, five possessions for the Jaguars? They scored points, four touchdowns, and the game-winning field goal? That's unbelievable stuff. And uh, that's something that can transcend, you know, Jacksonville. That can can take off nationwide. People saw that game 
And all of a sudden, they'll remember that comeback and his fortitude to play and, and keep playing in that game for a long time. And I think Trevor and the Jags, in turn, have, have earned a lot of support because of that effort uh, on Saturday night by the quarterback. J.P. Shadrick, Jaguars.com. J.P., there's two more guys I want to talk about, and then we'll finally look ahead to Kansas City. I want to talk about Trent Baalke first. Uh, you and I have talked about this, uh, you know, what, what happened a year ago. He was the last guy in the room, right? He was the last guy that had anything to do with Dave Caldwell or Doug Marone or Urban Meyer. And after all those guys are gone, you got to point the venom somewhere. And the fan base decided it was Balky. I thought it was unfair at the time. I still think it's unfair. And, and what Balky did, and, and amidst those circumstances, is put together arguably one of the best free agent halls this franchise has ever seen. Literally every guy they signed in the offseason has been vital, not a part. He's been vital to the team's success. And Balky's reaction to the last two wins, the emotion he showed, boy, it's um, it's good times for Trent Balky right now. Yeah, I'll say that. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's hard for a free agent class to really live up to the expectation. And that's anywhere in the league because of the money going out. And it's just, you know, you're going out on the free marketplace. And can they really live up to some of the contracts? Well, and everybody kind of, hand the the Jag signing of Christian Kirk and they're resetting the market. It's too much money for a guy who's never been over a thousand yards and this and that. That's just one example of it. And they picked guys that were first off great in the offense or defensive schemes, they thought, and are great locker room guys and have great work ethics and everything that go with that because they need that type of mentality around their young quarterback. And the production will come because of everything that, that they thought was going to happen. And it's worked out, really. All the pass catchers, obviously, we know their story. But a guy like Fadakasi, when he's been out there and healthy, has been great. Um, you know, Foye Lucan, I mean, leading the league in tackles again. He's flying all over the field, leading people. I mean, it, it's, it's pretty remarkable. Now, I'll say this, Hacker. They wouldn't have to do all that free agent work if the draft classes had been better over the last few years, right? So if you keep draft picks around, and we know the Jags' history with first-round picks and not signing them to second deals here historically, that has to change. So you've got to draft and develop and keep your guys around so you don't have to go to that free agent well forever because that is that is not a long-term success path. Uh, it's worked out so far this year. And now remember, it, it, this team was 3-7 and seven too, so – okay, can they replicate that and make that sustainable success? I think we'll find that out next year. But so far, so good, yeah. And and the GM should have credit for getting those guys in here. But that that should not be the path forward for this team in the future. They have to draft, develop, and then retain their own draft picks. That's that's the successful way to do it. And there's no doubt. There's no doubt. And to Balky's credit, I mean, he's only been the full-time GM for two drafts. And, I mean, Trevor Lawrence – Travis Etienne, but you talk about Walker Whittle, Andre Sisco, Luke Fortner, guys of that sort, uh, Devin Lloyd, Trayvon Walker. I mean, he's done a decent job in the draft as well. And, and then J.P. Shad Khan. Um, look, Shad Khan is unbelievably successful in every facet of life. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. But as an NFL owner on the field, 
not off the field because, you know, the money issues, that's separate. On the field, it hasn't been great. The hires haven't been great, certainly. I saw Shad after the Titan game and the emotion that he displayed in the locker room, you know, the excitement he had that it appears now he's finally got it right with Doug Peterson. It was cool to see Shad Khan, quite frankly, be that emotional about finally it appears having a winner here in Jacksonville. Yeah, he's not one, at least publicly, to, to show a lot of that. Um, but in that moment, you understand what it means for him and the Khan family to, to actually have a winning football team and what it means not only for him, but for the community. He understands what it means to the city of Jacksonville. And, um, yeah, it's been a long time coming, right? I mean, they had that flash in the pan in 2017, but couldn't it just disintegrated in 2018. And it's been a disaster ever since then. But, you know, you just kind of keep on trying. And, you know, it's his 11th year as an owner as well. I mean, if you didn't grow up in the league, and even people who did grow up around the league that are owners now, it takes you a little time to figure out what that means and, and how to do business in the NFL and the football world. It is just a little different with the on-field stuff if you've never been around it before. And you know what? It's taken – 10 years or so and they feel like they've got it right now and it's certainly showing with this playoff run and like i said he he's all about sustainable success they don't have to win 13 14 15 games a year it'd be nice yes but just year over year consistent winning football is the goal and that's always been the goal for shot Khan. he has said that publicly and i think that still is the goal so uh, so far, so good in, in year one for this coaching staff with the owner. Final moments here with J.P. Shadrick, Jaguars.com. All right, J.P., November the 13th, the Jaguars walked off the field at Arrowhead Stadium, losing a hard-fought game to fall to 3-7. and seven. In your wildest imagination, did you ever think that two months later, two months and change later, they'd be going back to Arrowhead in the AFC Divisional Playoffs? No chance. No, I didn't think so. I mean, they were at that point, Hacker, they were three and seven, as you said, and they were three and a half games back in the division going into the bye week. The Titans won a game during the Jaguars bye week. That made it a four game deficit after week 11. So, I mean, it, it took a Jaguars rally of, of all time and a Titans collapse of all time to even get in this thing. And it all happened the perfect storm. And then uh, now here you go. You get the greatest comeback in Jaguars history, third greatest comeback in NFL playoff history to move on. You know, I'm not going to throw the destiny word around. That's a little too strong, but there's something going on. It feels like, right? I mean, this is, this is too strange to just be um, just a little bit of a run here. So, hey, I, I think this team feels like they can go compete with Kansas City now. I mean, they were in that game. Yes, Kansas City had the, the – touchdowns where guys were running open but that was a different secondary at the time too Darius Williams had not moved outside yet they were trying to figure some things out at corner they had a couple guys in there that aren't in there right now I mean that that was different and obviously that the mindset and mentality of this Jaguars team is much different right now so uh go play I, I think they have a an opportunity to be in this game and if it's within a score in the fourth quarter look out because the Jags are you know once they see the finish line in a game like that so far in the back stretch of the season, they've been able to finish it and, and get it done. So this would be an epic win, though, obviously. 
if you go to Arrowhead against the number one seed and a team that underachieved last year in their estimation uh, with a week off, I mean, you go up there and get it done, and it's on to the AFC championship game, and look out. Jaguars team is on the run right now. Yeah, and I'm not sure if you're a superstitious man, but you think of all the streaks that have been broken, not winning in Nashville in nine years. They do that. Not winning a true road game in the NFL since December 2019. They've done that. Not beating an NFC team in forever. They've accomplished that this year, winning their first division in five years. And that game on Saturday against Kansas City will be five years to the day that Miles Jack wasn't down in Foxborough. So uh, strange things, no question about that. Hey, JP, leave us with this. You guys on the digital side of Jaguars.com, Jaguars Twitter, the videos that have been put out have been nothing short of sensational. The work that's going on over there is great. What can people look forward to this week leading up to the game on Saturday? Yeah, appreciate that, Hacker. It's a big group effort, man. And you know, Sounds of the Game comes out every week on Jaguars.com. Trip Padilla does a great job editing that together and, and producing it. And Max Hockman does the mic'd up segment every week. So uh, we have a Jaguars player with a microphone on. That's coming out. Of course, we have live shows morning and afternoon, three, four days a week. Uh, the Doug Peterson shows on Thursday. So it's a full team effort over here. And, you know, we we do it like this all the time, but there's a lot more eyeballs on it when you're winning and in the playoffs. So um, thanks, everybody, for watching. We appreciate it on, on Jaguars.com. A lot of great content every day. J.P. Shadrick, Jaguars.com. Of course, you'll hear him on Saturday as part of the Jaguar radio broadcast. J.P., let's go out to Kansas City. Let's get a victory, and how about you and I talk AFC Championship next week? Sounds like a plan, Hacker. Talk to you then. J.P. Shadrick, Jaguars.com. Always appreciate his time here on Hacker After Dark. And, yeah, look, the job those guys are doing over there, Jaguar Twitter, the videos, everything that goes on, it has been very, very fun. No question about that. Keeping you updated on what's going on in College Station, the Gators actually – have made a little bit of a charge here. They're down 44-40 to Texas A&M. What do we got? About six minutes and change to go in the ball game. A&M up four. Florida had 12 points at halftime and was shooting 7% from the field. They were two of 26 in the first half with 12 points. They've obviously shot a lot better in the second half. They're down 44-40 to Texas A&M, about six minutes to play. We'll keep you updated. Coming up in the 9 o'clock hour, Ben Arthur covers the AFC South for FoxSports.com and our guy Andrew Catalan of CBS Sports will talk Jaguars and Chiefs. If you want to get in Jacksonville, phone lines are open. 641-1010. Your thoughts on the AFC Divisional Playoff, your thoughts on the Jaguars and the Chiefs coming up this Saturday. And I have a thought down memory lane involving the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll get into all that coming up next. It's a Wednesday night edition of Hacker After Dark with Dylan Denmark. The Hacker Ryan Green with you here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Hacker After Dark on 1010XL. Glad you're with us Wednesday night, Hacker After Dark, 1010XL, 92.5 FM. As always, Jacksonville, we are streaming for your viewing pleasure on YouTube. 
Just go to 1010XL on YouTube. You'll see Hacker After Dark there until 10 o'clock tonight. Likewise, on Twitter, at 1010XL on Twitter, you'll see Hacker After Dark there until 10 o'clock this evening. Phone lines open, 641-1010. Your thoughts on the Jaguars and the Chiefs this Saturday, a 430 kick out in Kansas City. Um, Something I'm going to get into later on in the week, but I'll throw it out there tonight to get you guys thinking about it a little bit. The run between Thanksgiving to now, right? Three and seven on Thanksgiving, 10 and eight, and in the AFC Divisional Playoff. It's been an amazing run, an amazing ride. The fact that the Jacksonville Jaguars, after starting three and seven and then being four and eight, have won seven out of eight, including six in a row, and are one of the last eight teams remaining in the National Football League this year, that's that's crazy. I mean, that's unbelievable. Has this been more enjoyable for you as a Jaguar fan than the run in 2017? And for you longtime Jaguar fans, has this been more enjoyable than the ride in either 07, 99, or 96? Now, the years the Jaguars made the divisional round of the playoffs were 96, obviously. They did make it in 98, but to me, nothing really stands out about 98. You beat Scott Zolak, a backup quarterback for the Patriots on wildcard weekend. You then lost to the Jets, so that really didn't stick out. So I didn't put 98 in the conversation. Obviously, 99, you played 18 games, you won 15 of them. You just happened to lose three times to the Tennessee Titans. 2007, the David Garrard run to beat Pittsburgh fell short against New England in the divisional round. And then obviously 2017, and now here we are in 2022-2023. So has it been as enjoyable, more enjoyable, not as enjoyable as some of the earlier runs this team has had to the divisional round of the NFL postseason. 641-1010 is the phone number. Let's head out to Yuli here on Hacker After Dark. Let's get Andrew in here on 1010XL. Andrew, go ahead. Hello. Uh, I am very surprised with this thing. Very surprised about the, the why they're here and the fact they're in the final eight? I I love it, and I, but I'm, I was surprised from going terrible last season to amazing this season. Who do you give the most credit to? Trevor Lawrence, Doug Peterson? Uh, The lack of Urban Meyer. (laughs) Yeah, that's actually probably not a bad answer to that question. (laughs) Andrew, appreciate the phone call. You don't understand how bad Urban was until you see the year. Now, Now, granted, actually, check that. They added a lot this offseason, all right? You bring in Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Evan Ingram, Foye Lewican, Fadakasi, Darius Williams, Trayvon Walker, Devin Lloyd, Luke Fortner. I mean, they added a Chad Muma. They added a lot from where the team was last year. But they also added Doug Peterson and subtracted Urban Meyer, and you see the result. That's actually another thing I want to do later on this week 
You know, I don't know if you guys saw this on ESPN.com. They came out with the most valuable players in the National Football League, most valuable to their teams. And the Jaguars had three in the top 100. They had Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, and Tyson Campbell. My question to you is this, and I'll probably put a poll question up tomorrow leading into the Thursday night edition of Hacker After Dark. If you take Trevor Lawrence out of the conversation, right, because he's obviously the answer, so take him out, put him to the side for a moment, who has been the most valuable Jaguar since Thanksgiving? And the crazy thing about that question is it could probably be 10 different guys. You could make a legit argument if Trevor's excluded, which he is for the purposes of this. You could say Christian Kirk. You could say Evan Ingram. You could say Zay Jones. You could say Travis Etienne. You could absolutely make an argument for Foye Aluakin. You could make an argument for Tyson Campbell. You could make an argument for Josh Allen. Heck, they got the best punter in football. You can make an argument for Logan Cook. You can make an argument for a lot of guys. Other than Trevor, who has been the most valuable Jaguar since Thanksgiving? Something to think about. 641-1010 to the south side we go. Let's get Dawson in here on Hacker After Dark. Dawson, go ahead. Hacker, Hacker, my friend, I've been meaning to congratulate you on the new show. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. No problem. And uh, my, my goodness, my Dolphins almost won with a third-string quarterback almost beat Josh Allen, Hacker. Yeah. A third-stringer. Yeah. And, 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 and with all that, we scored as many points as Tom Brady and Kirk Cousins combined. They did. I know you're pretty upset the Dolphins got eliminated. It's unfortunate all those injuries happened. Two will play, they win, Hacker. If two was healthy, you know they win that game. What, against Buffalo? Yeah, they probably did. They put 31 on them without two, so I don't I don't dispute that. Right, and uh, congratulations to the Jags. You know, uh, I couldn't believe that comeback, Hacker. And, uh, first, you, you retire Mario and Kelly. Now you get two coaches from the Chargers fired. Yeah, well, not only did they get a couple of coaches from the Chargers fired, it's funny, the last two wins for the Jaguars, both offensive coordinators have been shown the door. The Titans fired their OC, the Chargers fired their OC. Now, I don't think Andy Reid or that coaching staff would be in any danger if the Jaguars go out there and pull off a, a shocking upset. And by the way, according to the odds makers in Vegas, that's what it would be. You're a nine-point underdog in the NFL postseason. That would be one of the bigger upsets in postseason history. There's no doubt about that. Let's get one more in here on Hacker After Dark, at least for this go-round. Let's go back to the south side, get Dean in here on 1010XL. Dean, what do you got? I was wondering, before I get to my point, Hacker, I just wanted to congratulate you on all the good work you do on 1010 and the uh, fifth quarter show. You do an outstanding job. Thank you, Dean. That. I appreciate that, buddy. Um, you know, just a point was made about how the Jags, the last time they were in contention for a playoff, uh, you go to the Super Bowl against the Patriots, you were at that game. They just played not to lose, though, with Doug Marone and, and uh, Nathan uh, Hackett, I believe, was the offensive coordinator. And it just, I mean, it just contrast that with Doug Peterson, you know, going for two and things like that, though. I just think his coaching, Ackerman, has just uh, proven out, though. I mean, obviously, the Jags have done a little bit. No, that's a great point. There's no question about that. It's absolutely a great point, Dean. 
and thank you for the phone call. Yeah, the bottom line is, and we actually talked about this earlier tonight, Denmark and I we were reminiscing about 2017, because keep in mind, it's the five-year anniversary of Miles Jack wasn't down in Foxborough on Saturday. Just happens to be the same day the Jaguars are playing the Chiefs. And the Jaguars went into a shell, man. They were winning that game in the fourth quarter, and I guess they didn't trust Blake Bortles enough because all they did was run the ball every time on first and 10. They were playing not to lose, playing the clock, and it ultimately cost them. That will not be the case on Saturday at Arrowhead. If they're going to go down, they're going to go down swinging because it's obvious Doug Peterson trusts Trevor Lawrence a heck of a lot more than Doug Marone ever trusted Blake Bortles. And I loved Blake. You guys know that. I loved the boat. And I wish they would have given him an opportunity in that game in Foxborough. They did not. Trevor will be given that opportunity if it comes to that on Saturday in Kansas City. More of your phone calls later on tonight and throughout the week here on Hacker After Dark. Appreciate you guys calling in. Coming up next, he's our guy, right? We have had Andrew Catalan call Jaguar games for years on CBS Sports. It's kind of a positive vibe guy when it comes to the Jaguars. I'm trying to get all the positive vibes I can stir up as we get ready to head to Arrowhead this weekend. Andrew Catalan, CBSSports.com, talking Jaguars, talking Chargers, or talking Jaguars, yeah, I guess Jaguars and Chargers, but looking ahead to the Jaguars and the Chiefs. Andrew Catalan of CBS next on Hacker After Dark. Now. Hello. Another great guest on the Farrah and Farrah phone line. Brought to you by the accident attorneys at Farrah and Farrah. Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville. We are glad you are with us. The Jaguars and the Chiefs, Saturday at 4.30. You'll hear the game right here on 1010XL in the AFC Divisional Playoff. Let's talk to a man that's kind of a fan favorite. Here in Jacksonville, Andrew Catalan, CBSSports.com, has called many Jaguar games over the years, and he's always kind enough to join us here on 1010XL. Andrew, how we doing? All right, Ryan. Good to be back with you, and uh, I'm missing all the fun down there, but I, I can see from afar it's been a good ride, and I'm enjoying it from afar. Andrew, it's been a couple of weeks since we talked, and then the Jaguars win the South with that unbelievable defensive play against Tennessee. And then I don't even know how you would summarize what we saw last Saturday from 27, nothing down to come back and beat the Los Angeles chargers. Andrew, what have your, what have your thoughts been on what the Jaguars have accomplished? Well, first and foremost, I'm really happy for the fans and the players. I mean, I think they've worked so hard for this moment. And there was a couple of times that you referenced that, you know, might not have had the ending at least that, um, We've seen these last two weeks, but, you know, I give a lot of credit to Doug Peterson. I know that's an easy person to, to praise, but it just seemed like even at 27 nothing, or even some of those tense moments late against Tennessee, that he doesn't change who he is. I mean, he is just a calm, collected, measured coach. And I remember what he told me earlier this season, you know, when they were two and six and, you know, he said, I'm not going to change for change sake that he, Learn from Andy Reid. You have to stay consistent and, and stay true to your message. And he not only does he do, do that week to week, but he does that play to play. And I really respect that. And I think that just his overall demeanor and tone was a big reason they came back to win those games. Well, and look, <clears throat> the bottom line is this. Uh, there are great candidates for coach of the year. I mean, what 
Shanahan's done in San Francisco with three different quarterbacks this year, Brian Dable in New York. I mean, there's a lot of great candidates. And I understand Doug Peterson's in Jacksonville and the market size, and, you know, we get all that. And maybe I'm biased, Andrew, but I'm hard-pressed to think there's a guy under the circumstances they were given that has done a better coaching job than Doug Peterson this year. I think it's a great point, Ryan. I mean, I I think Dable is – it's really – to me, it's Dable or Peterson. Um, I think that what Dable has done – with the roster that he has and the division that he has has been really impressive. So I give him a lot of credit as well. And I know, I know you're not taking credit away from him, but your point to Peterson is, is, is well said. I mean, uh, I think in most years he'd be a shoe in coach of the year and he still very may well win it. I think it's going to be close, but it takes nothing away from the job that he has done from where they were a year ago with urban Meyer to his relationship with Trevor to two and six, to, to finding ways to be down in games like the ones I called against the Raiders and the Ravens. Uh, it, I can't say enough about, you know, what I think of him and the job that he's done. And, you know, I never had one of his games with the Eagles. So I'd never met him until this year. So I kind of went in not knowing what to expect, and I couldn't have walked away any more impressed than, than Doug Peterson as a coach and a man. Andrew Catalan, CBS Sports. Dot com. Andrew, as you're watching the wild card game last week and you see Trevor Lawrence have one of the worst, I guess, 28-minute stretches in playoff history for any quarterback. I mean, there was one point where he was 4 of 16 for 30 yards and four interceptions. He had a 0.0 quarterback rating. I mean, that's that's hard to do. That's my numbers in flag football. That's how bad that was. And then the last 32 minutes to be basically flawless. I mean, what was your thought on that? Yeah, I felt bad watching in the first half. Not that I was, you know, I, you know, I can't really root for a team, but getting to know the Jags and their fans and Trevor so well, um, you know, I felt really bad for him. I thought that, you know, it was one of those want to get away commercials. Um, but again, I think that the way that he trusts Peterson and vice versa was a big part. I thought the touchdown, you know, late before the half was, was huge. But I think that the, the trust factor um, was a huge part of that comeback. And I'm really happy for Trevor because even if even if that's the way he went out, it would have been obviously a very disappointing end to what was a still a promising season. But you don't want to go out like that. And, and not only to not go out like that, but to come back, win the game, and now move on to the divisional round, um, I, I really feel I feel a lot of good things for Trevor Lawrence after that first half. You know, and again, you have the unique perspective doing what you do for CBS that you've gotten so familiar with the Jaguars, so familiar with the fan base, the organization. And look, a year ago this time, there were people dressed up as clowns about the direction of the of the organization. People were not happy with Trent Baalke. I thought at the time it was unfair, um, but I got it. You know, Urban was gone. Uh, Marone was gone. Caldwell was gone. There was only one guy left in the room that had anything to do with those guys, and it was Balky and he got all the venom, and it was not fair, and it was unfortunate, but it's kind of where we are in the National Football League and social media in today's day and age. But my goodness, Andrew, the free agent hall that Trent Balky brought in here, every one of those guys – they signed this offseason, has not been good or, you know, an average player. They have been vital 
to what the Jaguars have been able to accomplish this season. I totally agree. And you know what? Obviously, Christian Kirk was the big splash and Brandon Sheriff as, as well. But, you know, one guy that I know you talk about but probably doesn't get talked about on a national level enough is Darius Williams. I mean, you think about what he's done with Shaq Griffin being out, moving to the outside, moving all around in that defense. I mean, he has really stabilized that cornerback position in a time where they really needed it without without Shaq Griffin. Um, so you're right. I mean, you can go through the entire list of moves and draft picks, but Williams is a guy that, that really stands out to me. You know, and you look at uh, Shad Khan as well, and I'm not sure if you saw the video after the Titan game. He's in the locker room, and Doug Peterson is presenting him the game ball. I mean, this is a a billionaire, a man that has been unbelievably successful in every aspect of life to get to where he is. The only problem is, as an NFL owner, at least on the field, it had been bad. Bad hirings, bad win-loss record. We got it. But the the joy on that man's face to see what they did against the Titans, I, I was taken aback by that, Andrew, to see how much that meant to Shad Khan, the owner, what this team is doing right now. Yeah, I think that's well said. I saw that video as well, and that was just that was really special. I mean, you just think about so many. I'm sure he's thinking about so many of the low moments, the times where he had to make coaching changes or fans weren't showing up or draft picks weren't panning out. And, and he just – I would imagine that in a moment like that, that all that goes through your mind, and you're just so grateful and appreciative that you've kind of – you know, climbed up the mountain, not all the way. Obviously, everyone wants to win a Super Bowl, but to go from where they were to where they are now is not something that usually happens in a span of one year. And for him, I'm sure it's a collection of many years of frustration outside of 2017. So, you know, I felt really happy for him. Um, and I think that the future is also, as we talked about last time I was on your show, the future is very bright for them, especially in this division. Final moments here with Andrew Catalan of CBSSports.com. All right, Andrew, the Jaguars head to Kansas City. And, boy, you look at the AFC. Mahomes versus Lawrence, followed by Allen versus Burrow. I mean, good grief. And all of those guys, I think Mahomes is the elder statesman at 27 years of age. It is unbelievable the amount of talent at the quarterback position in the AFC right now. Yeah, you know, we kind of sensed it you know, heading into last season with the influx of quarterbacks. And we thought maybe Zach Wilson would be a part of that conversation, but obviously he's not. But, yeah, I mean, you look around that conference, Lamar Jackson, Tua, if he's healthy, I mean, you can go right down the list, and it's just so impressive. Herbert, obviously, I, I know he had a bad second half, but, you know, I still think that he's got a world of talent. Um, so I, I think that what you got left is uh, is four studs. I mean, obviously – Lawrence has done the least to this point, but it's only his second year in the league. And as you said, Mahomes, the elder state, eight statesman in his late 20s. I think it's going to be a great weekend of football. I, I love the fact that the Jaguars go back to a place they've already been. I know they didn't win the game, but I watched that game. They did. They played pretty well. I mean, I, I you know, I, it wasn't like they were blown out of the building. Um, and I think that they're going to they're gonna go in there with this attitude of, okay, hey, we're in the divisional playoffs. We've already seen this team before. We kind of know what to expect. I think that helps them in a situation like that, and I, and I can't wait to watch on Saturday. 
Andrew, we saw this last year with Cincinnati, right? They went from the number one pick in the draft to what, two years later being in the Super Bowl. Uh, the Jaguars literally picked back-to-back number one, and now here we are, and they're in the divisional round of the playoffs. You know, we always used to talk about rebuilds being three, four, five years long. Why do you feel in today's day and age in the NFL that teams can turn things around so quickly? Yeah, it's funny. I was just talking this on another show uh, about parity in the NFL. I mean, it's, a, it's a great point. I mean, usually this doesn't happen so quickly. I don't know if it's you know today's college players are, are more well-prepared for the NFL. I don't know if it's just the salary cap and the, and the, and the salary designations that you, know, you can spend more money. Owners have more money in their pockets to spend. I mean, there's a number of different ways that you can go uh, with why this happens so often now, but you know, you've got that stat of like 17 of the last 19 years, a team going from worst to first in the division. It just seems like it happens more and more. And for whatever it is, I, I don't know the reason, but I certainly do enjoy it because, you know, I think you see in a year like this that anything's possible. And if you're a fan of a team that didn't make the playoffs this year, you can, you can legitimately dream that next year you're going to go to the playoffs and make some noise. And I think that's what's another uh, special part of the NFL and why the ratings and the popularity of it are just through the roof. Andrew Catalan, CBSSports.com. Andrew, final question. On Saturday, the head coaching matchup. I love it. Doug Peterson going up against his teacher, right, and Andy Reid. We saw it last, uh, I guess, in November two months ago. We'll see the rematch. They're friends. They know each other. They know what each other like to do. I don't think there's going to be too many surprises when Reed and Peterson get after it on Saturday, and it's a head coaching matchup of two guys that one day might be in Canton, Ohio. Andy Reed's almost a shoe-in, and Doug Peterson keeps this up, and I think there'll be a legitimate conversation for him in Canton as well. Yeah, again, I think it's great. You know, they know each other so well. And just I think the familiarity in a situation like this where the Jaguars don't have a ton of players that have been in a moment like this, that's going to help them. And I think Doug Peterson can use that to his advantage. He can show them film of defending some of their receivers or, you know, going against Mahomes. They have film of that. And I'm sure that Peterson will use that to his advantage. And I always found it interesting meeting with Peterson this year, some of the ways that he – motivated his players in the in the meeting the night before the game he he told us about boxing examples and you know different stories he would share from you know past you know the bible or novels it always seems like he was able to find the right button to push and and i'm sure he's going to be able to do that again going against his old buddy andy Reid. well andrew it'll be a lot of fun man we're certainly looking forward to it Always appreciate your time. Know you're very busy this time of year. What's life like for Andrew Catalan? I know what college hoops, right, and golf right around the corner. Yeah, I start my college hoops schedule tomorrow, but I'll always be keeping a close eye on the NFL, and then I'll get into golf in the spring and summer. But in the meantime, I'm keeping a close eye on these Jags. It's been a lot of fun for me. I get a lot of nice tweets from the fans down there, even when I'm not calling the game. So I appreciate it to all those people and – It'll be a lot of fun on Saturday, Ryan. Looking forward to it. Hey, you and James are our guys here in Jacksonville. There is no question about that. Andrew Catalan, always appreciate it, bud. All right, Ryan. Take care, buddy. Hacker After Dark on 1010XL.
Yes, it is. Hacker After Dark, Wednesday night, 1010XL, 92.5 FM. Ben Arthur, Fox Sports, AFC South reporter coming up. Not only to talk Jaguars and Chiefs, we'll talk a little bit about what they're doing in Houston with their coaching search, what they're doing in Indianapolis with their coaching search, and what they're doing in Tennessee. They don't have a coaching search. they got a brand-new general manager, Rand Carthon. You say, wait a minute, that sounds familiar. Rand Carthon, yep, the same guy. Florida running back 20-some-odd years ago is now the brand-new general manager of the Tennessee Titans. So there is just so many things that are going on in the AFC South that don't involve the Jaguars, but they're all very positive for the Jaguars. Texans need a new head coach because they were awful. The Colts needed a new head coach because they're awful, and the Titans fired their GM middle of the year. And with what the Jaguars are doing right now, there isn't a person alive that doesn't live in Nashville, Indianapolis, or Houston that will pick any of those three to win the division in 2023. The Jaguars are the overwhelming favorite in this division moving forward, but they got some unfinished business this year. Go to Arrowhead. Surprise the world. Win the game. Go to the AFC Championship game. Oh, man, can you imagine that? We're doing the fifth quarter two hours after the Jaguars and the Chiefs go final. Leon Searcy, Dave Campo, and myself will be here Saturday night, roughly around 9.30 or so. If the Jaguars go to Arrowhead and win, my goodness, what a show that'll be. 641-1010 is the phone number. We'll try to squeeze in another call or two. Kyler in Orange Park's been on hold forever. Kyler's on Hacker After Dark. Kyler, what's going on? Hey, Hacker, how you doing, man? Good, buddy. What's happening tonight? I just had to pinch myself with you saying that we're the overwhelming favorites. Isn't that crazy? I'm just, I'm still in disbelief. That's just awesome. It is. Uh, it's an unbelievable turn of events from where this team was on Thanksgiving. I wanted to touch on something and get your opinion. Um, everybody's talking about how to beat Kansas City, right? Well, in 21, when Tampa Bay beat Kansas City, Mike Caldwell was the inside linebacker coach for the Buccaneers. And they just got after Mahomes all day long, right? Yeah, that's a good point. I'm I'm just wondering if we got the resources and if he's turned a corner, you know, by moving Darius outside, making the adjustments. The defensive players just got a little bit different swag about them. And I'm just curious of your opinion of the impact Mike Caldwell, you know, as far as being an X, X factor and being able to help this defense, you know, get after him. Kyle, that's a good point, one that honestly I hadn't thought of. The one thing that comes to mind, though, remember in that Super Bowl, a couple of factors played into that. Number one, Kansas City was down both starting offensive tackles. Both of their starting tackles were out, so they had serious problems along the offensive line. And number two, last time I checked, Levante David, Devin White, guys of that sort. I mean, you got Pro Bowl, All-Pro caliber players on that Buccaneer defense. Having said that, the way the Jaguar defense has gotten after the quarterback as of late, they affected Justin Herbert. They obviously affected Josh Dobbs. You know, I don't know what you want to read into Davis Mills necessarily. I don't know what you want to read in to the uh, Jets situation on that Thursday night. But I think they affected Dak Prescott a little bit. Uh, So, yeah. I mean, look, here's the thing. Three teams have beaten the Chiefs this year. Three. The Bengals, the Bills, and for some reason, the Colts. 
and all three games have the same scenario. Hayes Carline mentioned it to you last night. Here on Hacker After Dark, I've talked to other people that have said the same thing, and I completely agree with it. In all three chief losses this year, the running game for the team that beat them was awesome. 100 yards plus, or I think in the Colts' case, they had like 90 yards, but they ran it like 30 times. We're consistently getting three and four yards a pop. What does that do? It runs the clock. It keeps Mahomes on the sideline. You got to run the ball. You cannot throw the ball 45 times and run it 17 and think you're going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. You've got to run the ball on Saturday. Number two, all the QBRs for those three teams, Josh Allen in Buffalo, Matt Ryan in Indianapolis, and Joe Burrow in Cincinnati, all the QBRs for those quarterbacks were over 100, meaning they had great days. It takes a great quarterback performance, and it takes a good running game on that given day to beat Kansas City. Because, again, the only three times the Chiefs lost this year, the opposing running game was good and kept the offense of the Chiefs off the field, and the other quarterback was very, very solid. It's not rocket science. Trevor Lawrence has to play well, and the Jaguars have to run the ball. And if both of those things happen, the Jaguars will have an opportunity. You're not going to stop Patrick Mahomes. You're just not. It's not going to happen. Now, what you got to try to do is let him get his 300 yards, let him get his 50 yards on the ground, let him break your back with a couple of third and tens where he rushes for 12 or on a third and 14 when he hits Kelsey for 17 and a first. Just don't deny the fact that that's going to happen. It's inevitable. But what you need to do is after they drive it 65 yards, you got to hold them to three. You got to make them kick field goals. You need Logan Cook to be dynamic in the punting game, and he didn't drive long fields, which will also eat up clock. But when they get in the red zone, you got to keep them out of the end zone. If we see the Kansas City special teams and field goal unit, that is a win every single time on Saturday whether it's obviously the punting unit or the field goal unit, it means you kept them out of the end zone. And uh, if they do that, they have a chance to win. There's no question about that. Ben Arthur, Fox Sports and FoxSports.com covering the AFC South. Primarily, we'll talk Jags and Chiefs, but I do want to talk about the head coaching searches in Houston, in Indianapolis. What else is going on around the division? Ben Arthur, Fox Sports, AFC South reporter, next on Hacker After Dark. Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville, we are glad you are with us. The Jaguars and the Chiefs, Saturday at 4.30. Of course, you'll hear the game right here on 1010XL. Let's talk to a man that's joined us many times over the last couple of weeks. His name is Ben Arthur. He covers the AFC South for Fox Sports. And he's with us again here on 1010XL. Ben, how are we doing, man? Doing well, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Hey, Ben, always appreciate the time. All right, I haven't talked to you in a couple of weeks. Since then, the Jaguars knocked off the Titans to win the division and had the third biggest comeback in the history of the NFL playoffs to knock off the Chargers. Ben, how would you assess what you've seen from this Jaguar football team over the last two weeks? 
this is just a team that figures out how to win, right? I mean, you, you, you talk about teams that have championship DNA, teams that can go the distance. These are the kinds of things those teams do, right? Find ways to win regardless of the obstacles or adversity um, within a game or within a season, able to the ability to come back from that and make some noise. And that's what this Jaguars team is. Um, it's been reaffirmed in that week 18 game against the Titans and in that just stunning game last weekend against the Chargers. Um, they, they, they just never give up. I mean, that, that is so I feel like that's a really cliche term we use in sports and resiliency and overcoming adversity. But the Jaguars literally define that, define that ability um, coming down, coming back from 27 down in, in the Titans game uh, with that sack fumble for the touchdown in the fourth quarter, which was their first lead of the game. Uh, thinking back to week 15 against the Cowboys, Rayshon Jenkins's pick six. Um, to, to, to win that game. I, I mean, this is a team that, that, that just figures out how to win games. It, it may not always look pretty. Sometimes it's the offense kind of carrying the load. Sometimes it's been the defense. Sometimes it's been turnovers. Um, but, but whatever it's been, they've, they've kind of figured out a way how to, to, to claw out of bad situations. And that's kind of what gives that, that gives them a chance, I, I think, against, the Chiefs on um, Chiefs this weekend. You know, Ben, it's so interesting. You're talking about two win or go home scenarios, literally two games, whether you win the game or your season is over, both the Tennessee and the Charger game. In both games, they are trailing. The Jaguars are with three minutes to go. And in both instances, like you said, they found a way to come back and win. And I would just have to imagine at this point the belief in that locker room of those players and of head coach Doug Peterson has got to be at an all-time high. Yeah, no, it, it is. You, you talk to some of those guys, and I, I was in Jacksonville uh, for that game against the Chargers, and, and this is a team with supreme confidence, and momentum is maybe the most powerful thing in the NFL. You, you look at the way um, s some of the teams that have made it this far – um, you look at some of the large comebacks we've seen this season. Like I, I think just because I'm an AFC South reporter, I, I think of the Vikings game when they came back from what 30 or 33-0 um, to, to win that game. I mean, momentum is a very powerful thing. Um, whether you, you look at within a game or or within games, and this is that is something that this Jaguars team has. They have tremendous amount of belief. I, I think. Uh, something that, that's been sort of a defining quality is how they don't ever get rattled. I, I think they're always level-headed. I, I was talking to Marvin Jones in the locker room, and, and he was just saying, like, how after Trevor had all those interceptions, there was never any finger-pointing or, or blaming each other. It was kind of, let's go, next play. And and that's, again, that, that's kind of one of those cliché phrases that we hear all the time in sports, but this is a Jaguars team that has really embodied and embraced that message. And so I think that's why kind of that unwavering nature, why we haven't ever seen them kind of get down on themselves when 
they're facing big deficits or, or they can't find a way early in games. They, they kind of stick with it and, and they can kind of come out on top. And, and so I, I think that's kind of been a defi- defining quality about this Jaguars team. Ben Arthur covers the AFC South for Fox Sports. He's with us here on 1010XL in Jacksonville. Ben, what can you say about the job that Doug Peterson has done here in year number one? Uh, it's not, It's been nothing short of spectacular. I mean, just knowing where this franchise has been, right? I mean, we don't need to go over where this franchise has been. And then we, we all know what happened last season and things not working out with Urban Meyer and the mess and the dysfunction and everything. And to come in, in year one and to lead the team to a winning record to get nine wins to go from last to first in the division to go on a what's now a six game losing a uh, six game winning streak after having a five game losing streak early in the season um it, it's been a drastic transformation uh for this group a transformation w- where it sounds like the foundation really started in the off season, like I was talking to uh, Josh Allen and, and he was just saying like, look, I mean, in this foundation was built in training camp, the culture started to change in training camp with just the way the guys were, were approaching work each day. And, and Doug Peterson sort of radical uh, transparency and, and, you know, honesty and, and, being straight up with guys and and kind of that culture being in place from the springtime and, and we're seeing it manifest. Um, Doug Peterson is my, if I had a vote, I, I would say he should be coach of the year. I mean, there are many deserving candidates out there like Brian Dable and, and Sirianni, um, people like that. But what what Doug Peterson has been able to do with what was an irrelevant franchise and bring them immediately to um, a a division title and one game away from the AFC championship game. I I mean, it's been just fantastic. And and Doug Peterson noted in in his presser today, I mean, win or lose against Kansas City, this season has been a big success. And so um, there are a lot of guys obviously are are kind of, uh, are kind of the reasoning behind that, right? You, You look at, the steps Trevor has made. You look at the free agents they brought in, um, but you know I, I think it all kind of starts with Doug setting this, setting setting the tone with the right culture. You know, you look at Trevor Lawrence too. Obviously, the the comeback made him legendary status as is on Saturday, and then you go celebrate with a meal at the Waffle House at two thirty in the morning, and Trevor could run for mayor. Uh, of Jacksonville or city council, and he would win in a landslide. I mean, people love the kid here in Jacksonville. And, and, you know, Trevor gets it, man. He's a Georgia guy, played at South Carolina or in the state of South Carolina there at Clemson, obviously here in Jacksonville. And uh, it's one thing to be the quarterback, but when you begin branching out and you, you know, reach out to the fans and, you know, the Duval chants all night long and, I mean, the kid gets it, Ben, and it's going to be really something to see not only what he becomes on the field, but what he becomes here in this community. Yeah, th- certainly, and and he's he, he's he's a person that it, it's kind of easy to root for, right? I mean, 
just the way he carries himself and, and his demeanor. I mean, you look at his history and I think in a lot of cases we've seen in the past um, with with kind of people who've kind of had everything go their way, you know, as an athlete, like their whole life. I mean, it's very easy for them to maybe have an ego and and kind of not show humility and and kind of act like the world revolves around them. And and but but Trevor doesn't come off as, as someone like that. I mean, he, I mean, high school, college, I mean, he was basically a God comes into the NFL, a generational prospect. And, and he's a guy who, who's had to learn a, a lot along the way, but, but has grown a, a tremendous um, amount. Uh, he's been embraced by Jacksonville, as, as you mentioned, uh, he feels very relatable in, in, in you know, going to, to Waffle House. Um, and, and I think mostly, like, just with what he showed against the, the Chargers, to have the kind of fortitude, that generational, really, mental toughness to be able to overcome what was trending to be, like, the worst playoff debut of any quarterback in history, to, to bounce back. Uh, with four straight touchdown drives, I mean, it's it, you, you really can't script it better than that. I mean, he's a phenomenal player. He, he's growing more and more into that franchise quarterback he was expected to be. But then, like I said, he it, he he comes across as someone that's very likable, and so. I think it's really easy for this Jaguars fan base to rally behind him. Final moments here with Ben Arthur, Fox Sports, covering the AFC South. Ben, I want to talk about the openings at, with Indy and Houston at the end here, but quickly to Saturday to Arrowhead. Look, the, it is what it is, right? You play Mahomes, Andy Reid, the Jaguars are nine-point dogs. Uh, no one really is going to expect them to win this game. Although, Ben, I said on my show yeah, last night, I'm no longer using the term they can't, right? Because the Jaguars couldn't go to Nashville and win. Hadn't done it in nine years, and they did. They couldn't win a true road game. Hadn't done that since 2019. They did. They couldn't come back from 17 down against Dallas late in the third to win the game, and they did. Uh, they hadn't won a primetime road game in two decades, and they did when they beat New York in the Big Apple. And then, of course, last week, no way they're going to come from 27 back. And they did. So every time people say this team can't do something, Ben, they, they do it. And that's kind of the mindset they have. And that's the mindset they'll need on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, this is a, a team you, you can no longer count them out, right? I mean, it, it's so easy just to outside, just chalk in Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs going to the AFC championship game. But w with the way these Jaguars are, are, are playing, you can never count them out. And, and I know Rayshon Jenkins's cockroach remarks have kind of been making waves, but I mean, that, that's really what they are. They don't, they never die. You can't kill them. They're still in it until the, the game clock hits zero. You, you can never kind of count them out. And so um, at this point, I, I mean, I, I give them a very legitimate chance against Kansas City. Um, I would not be so shocked anymore if, if, if they, you know, just continue this run on to the AFC championship game. I mean, I mean, like you said, they, they just kind of find a way to keep winning when no one, no one expected it. So 
Um, so yeah, it's it's going to be a fun one um, in, in Kansas City. So I'm 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 definitely looking forward to it. Hey Ben, as we wrap up, what are you hearing in Houston and Indianapolis when it comes to their head coaching openings? With those two teams, I I know they're they're going to be taking their time, uh, and so the the Colts have already they've interviewed seven seven people already that they're they have eight confirmed in all when, when you look at their interim coach uh jeff saturday who they haven't interviewed yet and then that there have been reports of at least three other people so you have at least 11 candidates they're looking at and and the texans are obviously well into their process as well they just talked to sean payton but um from everything i've heard um from public remarks from uh texas gm nick casario and colts gm chris ballard um, these are teams that, that are going to take their time. Uh, the Texans know they have to get this higher, right? They've had back-to-back one and done coaches. They're going to have their fourth coach in four seasons. Nick Casario's job is essentially on the line. So they absolutely have to nail this higher. And you think about the, the draft capital they have in the cap space, the opportunity to really get much better very quickly. They, they have to nail the job. And then you you look at with the Colts situation too, a very proud franchise, a team that is going to have a chance to get their quarterback at number four overall. Um, they they're I imagine they'll be in play for the number one overall pick. Chris Ballard said if if, if there was kind of the right quarterback for them, they would try to trade up um, to number one. And so um, these are two teams that are at really kind of critical junctures, and so. Um, I expect them to 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 take their time, um, and so I, I don't I don't think there's really any favorites in the processes of either of those teams, um, and so I, I think we, we're just going to have to continue to wait it out. Ben Arthur covers the AFC South for Fox Sports, and he's always kind enough to join us here on 1010XL in Jacksonville. Ben, thank you for the time as always, and uh, boy. Let's see what happens on Saturday. If the Jaguars win, we might be dialing your phone again next week. Always appreciate it, bud. No problem, Ryan. Thanks for having me, as always. And thank you to Ben Arthur, FoxSports.com, covering the AFC South for joining us tonight here on Hacker After Dark as we are now well inside of 72 hours before the Jaguars and the Chiefs in the AFC Divisional Playoff. The game will be Saturday Kickoff at 4.30. Of course, you'll hear the game right here on 1010XL. Our pregame coverage beginning at 11 a.m. Saturday morning, and we'll take you all the way up to the fifth quarter with myself, Dave Campo, and Leon Searcy, which will start two hours after the Jaguars and the Chiefs go final. Well, that'll just about do it for what has been a crazy busy Wednesday night edition of Hacker After Dark. Thank you guys for hanging out with us tonight. Heck, every night, the remainder of the week, will be crazy busy. Again, Ben Arthur, Fox Sports, and FoxSports.com covering the AFC South. Thank you to my man Andrew Catalan of CBS Sports. He's our guy here in Jacksonville, and we love having Andrew Catalan on. He's called many games for the Jaguars on CBS television over the last few years and always enjoy his perspective. And J.P. Shadrick, Jaguars.com. Joined us in hour number one. Always love the conversation with J.P. Shadrick and appreciate him taking time out on what is a very busy week down there at the stadium 
to hop on Hacker After Dark this evening. We will be back tomorrow night on a Thursday, and we will do it all over again beginning at 8 o'clock. Dylan Denmark was your producer tonight. Dylan, great job as always. I'm the Hacker Ryan Green, and Jacksonville, thank you for spending part of your Wednesday evening with us right here on Hacker After Dark on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. So for all of us here on HAD, have an absolutely terrific remainder of your Wednesday, and we will talk to you tomorrow night on a Thursday beginning at 8 o'clock. Until then, good night, Jacksonville.